Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 187 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Steve Ruggiero. Thank you very much. Glad to be here, Johnny. So that's actually our third take. Said his name wrong twice. <laughs> But you, you had it right even before the yeah. as soon as the mics start rolling, that's that's when all the everything goes out the window. All the preparation goes out the window. Well, if there was any actual preparation. <laughs> I like to leave these podcasts live, authentic, and real. That's right. And speaking of which, today's topic is gonna to be very authentic and real. We're gonna really try to keep it as a fun celebration of life episode and reminder of, you know, what this life is really all about and there's also this lifestyle. Uh, but also, uh, we're going to bring up a pretty serious topic later in this episode as well. But let's actually start with a little bit of your background. Like, where, where are you from? What are you doing out here in Chiang Mai? Yeah, so um, I'm from Chicago, uh, born and raised in Warrenville, Illinois, which is a suburb, and uh, was in the Army for 10 years, believe it or not. Uh, graduated from West Point, 2002, uh, served two tours in Iraq, and after my uh, tour of duties, I... I left the army and got a job with Walmart, about as big of a corporation as you could think of, and hated it. So I quit six months into training. Uh, I was in training to be a store manager. I quit six months in and became an actor in Chicago. So I was, yeah, John, Johnny's hearing all this stuff for the first time right now, and he's like, whoa, what? Yeah, yeah well, I feel like I, pretty, I know you pretty well because we've been through a lot of uh, pretty deep events here in Chiang Mai recently. Yeah. And I've always known you're a super cool guy. Oh, Actually, thanks. Well, so I first heard about you because I've been away from Chiang Mai for 11 months now, maybe 10 months, almost a year, and I entrusted the Nomad Coffee Club to a couple people who were still going to be in town. So for those who don't know, I started the coffee club maybe three years ago now here in Chiang Mai, and it was just an informal weekly gathering for digital nomads in town to meet each other and to learn from each other. It's free. It's all volunteer-based. And it's really just to give away, you know, a way to give back to the community, but also to connect nomads here in Chiang Mai. And when I left, I was like, I hope this continues because it's such a good value to the people here. And I had saw that this, you know, random bearded guy <laughs> named Steve had, you know, become one of the admins and was was hosting the events. And I, and I didn't actually meet you until uh, just what two weeks ago now, right? Yeah, I mean, I shook hands with you, and we took we took a selfie at the Nomad Summit last year. But it's like that's the day of a million selfies, you know, for you. You gotta meet and greet, and uh, but we never spoke. I don't think we ever spoke like a more than a sentence to each other until uh, you just returned right now. Wow, it's crazy. So this is interesting for me because I, I actually really like hearing your story. So you were playing Call of Duty, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in real life, in real life, <laughs> right? More more like. Uh, Convoy commander, you know, is running convoys in Iraq. So, because um, West Point's not a joke, right? That's like the no, hardcore. That's, that's the you know the premier elite military training institution in in our in our country in the USA anyway. And, and what branch of the military were you in? Transportation Corps, all the way. Now it's been changed. Uh, it's there's now a logistics branch that encompasses a few different. So Transportation Corps doesn't exist anymore. But uh, I was in the Transportation Corps, uh, which meant I got to drive trucks up and down Iraq. Uh, Iraq highways for uh, 19 months total. Two different tours, yeah. Wow. So, and by tour, you mean like literally you're like in a war zone? Yeah. I mean, well, when we first deployed there, the war hadn't started yet. 
and then um, the war launched shortly after I arrived. And uh, at that time, that time I was mostly based out of Kuwait. Uh, but then my second tour, which was 13 months long, was running convoys literally every day. Which at, and and at that time it had become. This was 2004 to 2005. It was literally the most dangerous job in Iraq. Um, they the insurgents decided they could start targeting transportation lines. You know, trucks on the road that weren't you know, army tanks or, or infantry soldiers. So yeah, we were always on the lookout for IEDs, bombs on the side of the road, um, vehicle born IEDs, all kinds of stuff. Well, wow, that's crazy. And I wonder, I mean, I can't even imagine how different your life is today than it was then. Cause I'm sure there was thousands or tens of thousands, a hundred thousands of ex military people who, you know, are kind of displaced now where they don't really know what to do. They don't have, um, you know, the the same type of, of skills that, you know, maybe a corporate office in the U.S. would want or, or look for to hire. And a lot of them don't realize that there's this alternative of, you know, becoming your own boss and working online. You know, that's a that's a really beautiful point because I remember shot, being shocked after I – when I came out of the Army and I was, you know, talking to, you know, other people that were in the corporate world – uh, people that necessarily didn't necessarily understand the army and their attitude towards veterans, believe it or like, you know, we all think like, Oh, veterans is a great um, resume builder. Like you're, you know, you've been leadership roles, you've done all these things, you know, West point, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. a lot of, in a lot of places it's actually looked down on. Like they think, Oh, well this guy was just, just in the military. You know, he didn't, doesn't have any real world experience. You know, it varies from place to place. Um, but uh, I was kind of shocked to, to you know to to realize that. But um, but yeah, and and then when I when I was a an actor in Chicago, one of the ideas that we started working on was creating an improv uh, a nonprofit improv workshop to get veterans into comedy, <laughs> and that sounds funny. Uh, but there, and there's a similar one out of Canada that did uh, stand up. But I got involved in improv comedy in Chicago. And I was like, well, you know, this, this was great for me. I think it'd be great for a lot of veterans, uh, just to have some kind of, uh, artistic expression and outlet. But then you, you bring up the great point of what about a viable career opportunity, right? Making money on your own online. And it took me a while to get there. I mean, this is, um, I've been out of the army now for almost 10 years. So it took me a while to figure this lifestyle out. And you know what? It's, it's great that you're on here. So then people, who were in your shoes can follow your footsteps and say, okay, well, if it worked for this dude, why can't it work for me? Yeah. Actually, I hadn't even thought about like reaching out to veterans to share this idea with them. I really haven't even thought about that yet. That's a, that's a beautiful idea. Yeah. And you know, that that's what I love about this podcast is it gives me an excuse to sit down with people who, you know, otherwise, you know, we would still hang out, but we don't have an excuse to dive in deep, you know, to right. dive in deep into our past, what brings us here today. And, talk about, you know, real business stuff. I mean, you know, we've hung out and I'm sure, you know, we would continue to hang out, but we would probably just talk about normal things that are happening. Or cryptocurrency. Yeah, which everyone (laughs) keeps bringing up, you know. But like this podcast really gives an excuse to just ask those hard questions and dive in deep and think, you know, just think a little bit more about what are we doing with our lives? What has worked? And how can we share what worked with others. Mm, yeah, no, that's, that's great. It's, it's great. I have my sister visiting me right now, you know, and you met, you, you met Lisa and she brought three friends. I mean, 
that's an awesome opportunity. She's got, she's traveling with, you know, there's four of them traveling, you know, the first time all four of them are out of the country and they come to Thailand because, you know, Lisa's got her big brother here. So she shows up and it happens to be that the first weekend they're here is the Nomad Summit and they had never even I don't, you know, I mean, I tell Lisa a little bit about what I do, but it doesn't sink in, you know, she doesn't really think about it. And, uh, one of the guys went, Phil, he went to the nomad summit and he said, it's changed his life. Wow. Meeting all the people there has changed his life and him. So it's Lisa, Phil and Sasha are another brother, sister pair. They're friends of Lisa's and Cassandra and Phil and Sasha are staying here. They're, they're giving up their ticket to go back home. That's crazy. So they came here on vacation with your sister. Yes. And now my sister's going home with Cassandra only because uh, the other two decided to stay here. That's crazy, right? Yeah, I, I think it's crazy. I mean, I, that that's honestly my favorite part of the Nomad Summit is meeting people who come here on vacation or just to check out whether or not this is a viable thing and then deciding yes and jumping both feet into it. Yeah. And I, that Phil and, and Sasha aren't the only ones. I met at least one other guy who came here on vacation and decided to stay over this past weekend. Yeah, we've actually surveyed uh, every attendee that that came to the Nomad Summit this year and we asked, you know, how many of you came just for the event or how many people, you know, was you know, um was gonna be here anyways, how many people were looking for, for excuse to come here? And maybe another one should be a follow up. How many of you are still here that wasn't planning on staying here? Yes. Yes. Oh man. Yeah, because I think you're you're right. Like the whole point of the Nomad Summit is to connect people. You know, because you can watch all the talks for free on YouTube. You know, we 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 do that on purpose to be able to give back uh, to the people who can't make it out here, right? Or the people that want to watch watch the videos again, to people that want to share their favorite talks with their friends. So we use, you know, a lot of the the money that we make from the Nomad Summit to be invest into like a professional f- uh, film crew, you know, good audio mixing, uh, editing, and we put it all up, you know, for free as our way to give back. But also knowing that people are going to come anyways because that networking is priceless yeah you know like, that's that's yeah. the number one reason i like to go is you you just meet people i mean all right so my first just a little bit of background on when i moved over here i moved over here one year ago uh well just over a year ago and i came with the intention of discovering and building an online business and before i moved out here i bought a ticket to the nomad summit and that was me throwing my spear over the wall saying i will be in chiang mai by the time the nomad summit happens you know and I didn't plan on just coming and check out the No Man's Summit and leave. I planned on staying and making it work, right? But um, when I arrived, I had no idea the amount of different kinds of business opportunities people are involved in. It's unreal. I mean, it's not just drop shipping and Amazon FBA. There's Kindle ebook publishing. There's there's guys working on web de- oh, app development. There's coders. There's um, just all, there's a guy that I met that's doing uh, databasing for artificial intelligence. You know. And it's just amazing to think all the different things are going on here. You know, it's, it was actually pretty crazy. Is I had forgotten that I had met you at the Nomad Summit last year. I, I didn't even know you were an attendee last year. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I like I said, it's the uh, the day of a million selfies for you. You got, you know, you're, you're shaking hands and kissing babies all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shaking babies' hands and <laughs> shaking babies, shaking babies and kissing hands. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So. Um, yeah, enough about the Nomad Summit. It's it's cool that you've stayed. It's been amazing. And 
I kind of want to hear a little bit more about how that like that happened. W- did you get into Amazon FBA before or after that summit? I had the idea of Amazon FBA before I got here, but at the time I thought it was called drop shipping on Amazon. <laughs> I had the two terms completely confused. I had no idea. I was just watching a bunch of, all I knew was I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos and I saw that people were making a life for themselves out here. And so I reached out to one of the guys I was watching a lot of videos of, which is Riley Bennett watching the live in that life blog. And he actually responded. I, I found him on Facebook, messaged him, and his response was so encouraging and so welcoming that I decided to take a trip just to see. I, I took a two-week trip, stayed in Bangkok for one week, and I stayed in Chiang Mai for one week. And that's when I decided for sure I was going to move. And then I had some time between the time I actually moved right, and when I went back home. And I just, even though I'd already decided FBA was going to be my first endeavor, um, I waited to learn anything about it. I had the option to look up videos. I had the option to do some research on my own, but I said, no, you know what? I don't want to learn anything. I want to learn from the people here. I thought it would be more efficient. And my, my learning style is more learn by doing. And, and if someone can show me what to do, I learn it much faster than if I'm reading something on my own. You know, I, I think that's actually a really good method because back in the day, like four or five years ago, the biggest problem was there wasn't enough information. Mm-hmm. So when it was so hard, it was so hard to find any information. I think the biggest problem now in 2018 is there's too much information. That's a great point. I mean, how much – I mean, if you if you were just to Google or, or even on search on YouTube, Amazon FBA, right, or dropshipping, imagine the, you know how many courses would be pitched to you, how many different ideas are being pitched to you, right? You have no idea. And some of that information might be good and valid. The problem is some of it isn't good, isn't valid. It's taught by – sometimes it's taught by people who don't actually know what they're doing. But even the, th- the things that are good – Sometimes you're mixing recipes and that the fact that you made that mistake of calling it dropshipping on Amazon, you're not alone. There are so many people who get so confused with different methods and try to bake a cake using eight different recipes and they yep. turn out with a bunch of sludge and they oh, say, yeah. this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Having someone hold your hand through, you know, or just, just to be there and guide you through the step because I, I, all right. So now that, now that I've established myself on Amazon, I get people asking me all the time questions about Amazon and it's I'm surprised about how much of the advanced stuff they know. Like they'll know they'll be asking me about how to run a PPC campaign or they'll be asking me you know how to source a product in China and all this stuff and uh, and really I'm like, "Well, you know, what what's your, you know, where are you at in the product research phase?" And they haven't even found a product yet. It's like, "Well, focus on one thing first. You know, they're they're jumping all ahead because there's they've got this overwhelming amount of information. But yeah. really really it, it to to have someone show you, you know, the order things go in is valuable. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so valuable to take a course where you can just follow along and say, okay, today we're learning this. Don't move on to the next module until you learn this. And the problem with information on like Amazon is even though, you know, some of the information is really, really good, it's not applicable to, to you right now. And you might get so lost learning about advanced PPC marketing when you haven't even chosen your fucking product yet that you're just going to get confused or it's going to become overwhelming and you might just never get started. Yep. Yeah. Why you why you learn about step 14 when you haven't even done step one yet, right? Yeah. Uh, 100%. So that's really cool. You came here. You met some people who, who had done it. And then what, what next? All right. So then I got here January 1st, 2017 is when I arrived. And um, I got linked up with a, with a group of guys real quick. One of the guys that I met on my first trip. Oh, was one of the Atlas brothers, you know, Travis and Aaron Atlas. Well, they had a course called the Digital Nomad Campus. And five of us signed up. We each paid 300 bucks. 
And the whole idea was that they 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 themselves were not digital nomads. They didn't know any of these businesses. But what they'd done is they had they had uh, integrated themselves in the community real well, and they they identified who were good leaders and instructors, and they brought them to us in a classroom setting, and set up um, workshops and things like that for us. And it was amazing, like the the bond we formed with the other. So there's five of us in that in that initial class. It was supposed to be like the first, you know first class that went through, we, we still work together to this day. In fact, I got business partnerships with most of them right now. You know, what's crazy is I didn't know, I had never actually met anyone who was part of the, you know, those, how many people paid for for the flowers? Five people paid 300 bucks each. Yeah. So I had never met any of those five people until, and I didn't know you were part of that five. And I assumed from all the negative press about it, Mm -hmm. that those five people would be so angry that they got, you know, cause, cause basically what everybody talked about and everybody wrote about, even in that article in the New Yorker, is that those five people got scammed and they, you know, got taken for. Yeah. But hearing from you now as a person who was, you know, the the customer, it doesn't even sound like you got scammed. We all agreed that we got our money's worth, even though they left halfway through the course. They literally got run out of, you know, town halfway through the course. We all felt we got more than our money's worth just by forming the bond that we had and the than the friendships that we had. And it also sounds like, you know, even though they themselves, you know, weren't the experts or didn't know what they were, they were talking about, it seemed like they were smart enough not to teach the class themselves, yeah. but to get experts in. And they never pitched themselves as being the experts. They they told us that they would they would be putting us in front of these experts. And the, one of the great things is these experts stepped up and helped us after they left. You know, we reached out to... Uh, you know, well, actually, the, the number one one was Rob Fortney. He stepped up and literally took us and put us under his wing and said, I'm taking care of you guys. But even beyond that, we reached out to the instructors individually for like f- clarifications and follow up and this and that. And man, they were so eager to help. I I just cannot get over how generous and giving this community is here. Yeah, and it really is. And that's so crazy that like to hear this because I'm not saying that the the Alice brothers are good people. I'm not saying that I want to be friends with them or want to be associated with them, but it does show that like when people start bringing out their, their pitchforks and they start, you know, doing these witch hunts, you know, cause you know, yeah, maybe they were kind of creepy, weird guys. Right. But it sounds like they were, they were like generally trying to, to add value and create something. Oh yeah. I'm sure of that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to hear from the other side because it's almost like there are so many people fighting on your behalf saying these vic- you know these guys were victims these right, customers got right. scammed we have to drive these people out of town and make sure no one else gets hurt and it's it's insane hearing now from the victim the supposed victim that these you know social justice warriors almost right were fighting a battle that nobody even asked them to fight yeah i mean they, I don't think they weren't run out of town because they were running a scam. The whole, well, you know what? I don't know. I don't really don't know what it was behind everything. They, they pointed to like allegations of rape in the past. I mean, this is, this is like 10, like something on a blog, 10 years old. I have no idea about the validity of any of that stuff. So there's just these really heavy accusations. But what happens is there's like this pile on mentality. Once someone says something or they, they determine that to be evil, they look at everything else and they say, oh, it's evil. So like suddenly this – suddenly, you know, the there first of all, there were reputable, good people involved in this course. The ones that said, hey, Travis and Aaron, we will – respect you and like you enough to provide value to your course, right? 
So obviously that they, you know, they had some kind of um, like respect in the community. You know, they, they'd been here for a while and then all no, of a sudden, you know, what's funny is I don't think they were here for a while. I think they were just, I think they were pretty new, but they were just very, were like really charismatic. Really? Yeah. I always assumed they'd been here for at least a few months before. No, that. I, I'm, I think they had just arrived like not that much wow. before that and that they were kind of just, you know, cause everyone in Chiang Mai is so giving anyways. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, they were, they were very assertive, maybe a little bit too aggressive. And, you know, honestly, like. I met them and I didn't, you know, I had a funny feeling about them. So I, I didn't want to work with them. Right. Um, so I see why people don't like them. And, right. and, and I don't want anyone listening to this podcast thinking that this is in defense of them because it's not. Right. Uh, but I'm just so happy to hear from one of the supposed victims that you actually got a ton out of it. Oh, we were totally fine. Yeah. We were totally fine. I mean, that was, um, what, what, what they did have, they did have a knack for motivating and inspiring. Right. And they, they motivated and inspired us to, you know, and, and we formed this little team and that team continued on. Like it didn't just because they got run out of town, didn't mean we stopped working on our dreams. You know, we, we kept the dream alive and really the biggest credit has to go to Rob Fortney for that. He literally stepped up the day that that happened. Like we're sitting in a classroom, they're supposed to show up. They didn't show up. Rob told us that he was going to make sure that he, that we had some kind of guidance, gave us an opportunity to work with him. And wouldn't you know it, not even, I think it was less than a week or not, not more than two weeks later, he had found a client for us to work on. So these, these, uh, this, this company approached Rob wanting him to manage their, F, their, their FBA account. And Rob never takes on that kind of work, but he said, now I've got a team to do it and I've got a reason to do it. So he accepted that client work and gave it to us. And literally that, that monthly sum paid for all of our expenses in Chiang Mai for the first, uh, well, that was the second month we were there. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So for those who, who don't know, Rob Fortney, part of Amazon Gorillas. Yeah. And he's a great guy. You know, he, he's amazing. Like just, and I'm, this is a big reason why I wanted to have Steve on the podcast this week is to kind of hear the backstory on, you know, how he met Rob and how he created all this. And it's unfortunate, um, but a few weeks ago, Rob Fortney passed. You know, he got into a motorbike crash or accident here in Chiang Mai. And, you know, it was bad enough where he, he didn't survive it. And we've had a couple, you know, ceremonies since then, cremation ceremony. And, you know, we had a ton of people like come out and just really support and share how Rob has changed their, changed their lives. And we had a tribute at the Nomad Summit itself. And then we had a, another meetup at one of his favorite temples. And, you know, we basically had a celebration of Life Day. Mm -hmm. And what was really inspiring and amazing was how many people Rob had touched and how many people, you know, he had helped and how many lives he had changed. And it's... It was it was amazing. Like, and you know, we're we're sad that Rob's no longer with us, but we're grateful for everything that he's provided and for kind of striking something in our minds, thinking, okay, you know, how would we be remembered if if we passed? Yeah, yeah. You know, you you said about that that celebration of life ceremony. There were people at that celebration of life that never met Rob in person. That he'd had an impact on them. I mean, his reach was worldwide, really. Uh, probably his biggest biggest market was the U.S. for sure. But he was training and teaching Amazon FBA worldwide, 
And here in Chiang Mai, where he had his roots, he didn't charge anything to anyone. In fact, he, he made a point. He's like, I won't charge anyone in Chiang Mai for my, for my guidance and advice because they're here doing it, living it. This is how I give back to the community. And it was, um, I mean, it was just what a, you know, I actually, uh, someone was asking me questions earlier today on, on their, their podcast about, uh, mentorship and Rob was like the perfect example of a mentor, someone that, someone that doesn't, you know, it, it's, uh, it's not like he's trying to sell you a service or product. He really wanted to see you grow and, and see you prosper and, and see you live your dream. Yeah. And I, what I really, really loved about it and, and the way that Rob did things was, you know, he didn't sacrifice himself so much where he couldn't, you know, afford to pay rent or eat because I think, you know, there, on the two extreme sides, there's, you know, on one side, there's someone that just cares about money and it's like, I don't care about the success of other people at all. I just want to make more, more money. And then on the other side, you have people, you know, the other extreme side, you have people that are like, I'm just going to give to everyone. I'm never going to charge a penny. I'm just going to give, give, give. And the problem with both extreme sides is that they're extreme. And what I really liked about, you know, what Rob did was, you know, he, you know, he has products for sale. You know, he has, he makes money through like um, affiliate offers where if somebody signs up for something that he talks about, recommends, he gets credit for it. But what I really liked what he did was he would just give value, value, value. And then if somebody wanted to go to his site and you know buy something or sign up for something using his link so he can get the affiliate credit, they could. And in turn, he always had enough money where he can be generous with friends and people. Yeah. He always had enough money where he can pay rent and you know go out to eat so he can you know just live a normal life and be able to give have the time and energy to be able to give back to you know to the local community and, and people. Yeah, one thing that people don't know about Rob's death, unless you're here in the Chiang Mai community, is that uh, on his on his last motorcycle ride, when he was when he was uh, uh, when he died in the accident, he was actually out in the hills of Chiang Mai or the hills of Thailand, maybe about fifty miles away from Chiang Mai, giving money that he had raised on a charity project to the hill tribes. You know, the the, the children that lived up in the hill tribes, you know, they they live in poverty and they don't have the proper school and stuff. So he started a year before that. He had started this. Uh, this Amazon FBA project where people can come in, donate money to buy a product. And then he guided them through the whole process so that they saw like everything from the, the, the sourcing to the launch and all that stuff. And at the end, all the proceeds from that, from that product were brought up to the Hill tribes and he, he rented a bike and went out there and gave it to them and he never came back. Yeah. That, that's intense, you know? And if anything, you know, maybe that was, you know, the wrap up, right? Where they're yeah. like, okay, he needs to live long enough so he can deliver this this money and to you know to these people that need it. But it's also you know it's also like a big uh, big grand finale, you know, yeah, like absolutely. just him you know him dying from doing like one of the most charitable things that you can do. Well, what an example yeah. to all of us. I mean, here we are, those of us that have benefited from his knowledge and his inspiration. You know, we're here, we're we're left behind, and it's like. Wow, what an example, you know? I mean, I'm motivated now to give more of myself after mm. after after that, you know? And it's like, you know, I'd known Rob for a year at that point and uh, you know, work with him all the time and, you know, vacation, we'd go on vacation. We became really close friends actually. And um now it's like I'm hearing his words of wisdom in a different light. 
Like they're more impactful, more meaningful now. He would always say them all along and it's like, okay, yeah, and I get it. I'm kind of inspired. But like before it was like, wow, that's great. That's what Rob does. It's beautiful. But now it's like, holy crap, Rob's gone. Who's going to do that anymore? Like we have to step up and do that, fill that void. Yeah. And I think I think there's two really big lessons to learn from this. One is we have to take care of ourselves and our own safety so we can continue to give back because we don't want it to stop. You know, we don't want it to stop with us. And it's unfortunate that how many motorbike accidents happen in Chiang Mai literally yeah. every day. And it's something that we don't talk about in the nomad community because it's a downer, right? And our lifestyle is about, you know, traveling and fun and adventures and making money but it's also real life mm-hmm. and even though i feel like we should look for the upsides and things we shouldn't wallow in things that we can't control or into into negative events we should learn from them you know and one of the things that you know about motor, you know riding a motorbike is when we're in thailand sometimes we feel so invincible that we do things that we wouldn't do back home and one of that is riding motorcycles, you know, through the mountains, you know, usually without the proper gear, without the proper training. And I know I'm guilty of this, you know, I don't have a, a driver license, but I've been riding motorcycles in Thailand for 10 years. And I've not just scooters, I've, you know, rented 600cc bikes or bigger, and I'm flying, you know, and luckily, you know, I've been, I've been safe, you know, and, but a lot of that is luck. Yeah. And right? if the police pull you over, they give you like a $15 ticket for not yeah. having a license, you know? And, you know, there's a lot of people who come on vacation just because they see other people doing it. And this happens a lot, a lot more, not in Chiang Mai. In Chiang Mai, people might just drive around the city, you know, where we're not going that fast. So it's not as big of a deal. But when you start getting on the highways and you start going big, you know, like on high speeds, you go through the mountains, uh, or, um, if you, even if you are going, you know, a lower speed, but it's a, you know, big stretch of empty road on one of the islands and you're in flip flops and a tank top and shorts and no helmet, even a 40 mile, you know, 40 kilometer an hour drive, which is only like 25 miles an hour can kill you. Yeah. And this happens a lot in places like Bali and places in like on some of the islands because, it just feel people just you know feel invincible. They see other people doing it. Everyone yeah. else is doing it, and there's no oh, yeah. rules or regulations. And, and, you know, you come from the states like I do, and you know, there's a lot more rules and regulations when it comes to driving, and so people feel kind of free out here. It feels kind of yeah, invincible is a great way to look at it. The statistics are horrible. Look them up. You know, Thailand is a very deadly place for motorbike motorbike accidents. Yeah, and I and I think it's a delicate balance. We're I think the reason why people don't talk about it is we don't want someone to rain on our parade. And to a certain point, I agree, where I don't want people to wallow in what could happen because at the same time, there's plenty of people who ride scooters. It's a great way to get around. It's cheap. It's efficient. You can park anywhere. It gives us the freedom. So I'm not telling people not to ride a scooter. I think what we need to do is really just you know, protect ourselves as much as we can. And I, and I understand, like... If you're going to go from, you know, shop to shop and you're just a five-minute short ride, it doesn't make sense to carry a, a full-face helmet, you know, um, motorcycle boots and gear when it's, you know, 90 degrees out. We're not going to do it. Right. And, you know, and even, you know, if you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it for like a week and you're going to stop. <laughs> right. So part of it is really just, you know, picking and choosing our battles. Like for me personally, I'll still ride a scooter around town. I try not to do it in flip-flops anymore. I always wear a helmet, 
you know, even if it's not a full face helmet, I just wear some kind of helmet. Yeah. And I just try to avoid long distances or highways and, you know, because it just adds that, that chance, that risk, you know, I've actually been on that same mountain road at where, where Rob Fortney died. Wow. I, wow. That's way out there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've ridden a motorcycle to Dory Intanon before. Oh, wow. And I can see how dangerous it is, you know? Yeah. You know, especially in Thailand, there's not really any traffic laws. So it's very common for trucks to pass each other wherever they want, you know? And even on a curvy mountainside, even on a curvy mountain road, you know? And the other problem that people never talk about is as foreigners, we don't really have any rights where if somebody hits us, it is our fault. Yes. Regardless of what happens. And I think a lot of people aren't going to, can't, they can't really rationalize that because they're like, no, like that can't be true. But in Thailand, if, the, there are almost kind of excuses. If you are not here, right, the accident wouldn't have happened. The accident wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you're a foreigner. You're not supposed to be here. Yeah. But if you and you know, like now, Thai people are very, very welcoming to to foreigners. You know, but that is true. There's that attitude for sure. Yeah, and I know this because I got into a motorcycle accident, and not wow. even an accident. I got hit from behind by a taxi driver when I was on Colanta. What? And this was, you know, a year and a half or two years ago now. So this was like eight years into me never getting an accident. You know, uh-huh. I'm always very careful. Uh, I'm a good driver. And I'm on a single lane, like just a single lane road going straight. There's no, there's no, there's nothing, right? <laughs> and any normal person would drive very slow on this road because it's just straight. There's nothing there. There's like lots of people walking across the street. There's like, you know, lots of shops around. It's a beach. You know, everyone's laid back. So you'll see all the foreigners driving like 15 kilometers an hour, nice and slow, just taking their time and easy, right? Almost kind of imagine, you know, being by the beach wherever you guys live back home, you know, take it easy. But to a lot of the Thai people living on the island, they just see this one road as yeah. their like super highway, right? You know, and they're just flying up and down as fast as they can, you know, trying to get from one, one side to the other, you know, for whatever reason, right? And I'm driving slow, like 10, 15 miles, you know, kilometers an hour. And I'm, cause I'm looking for a restaurant. And all of a sudden, really like out of nowhere, I hear it beep, beep. And normally that means, you know, and it wasn't like a bad beep, beep, like, you know, warning beep, beep. It was just like beep, beep. So I like slow down even a little bit more and I turn my head to see a taxi crashing into me in the back. And what he was trying to do and, you know, was say like, I'm coming 50 miles an hour. Get out of my freaking way. Right. And but, that, that doesn't translate very well. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, either way, whatever miscommunication there was, if I'm not getting out of your way, yeah. it's not your job just to slam into somebody. So in any country, he would have been a hundred percent at fault. You know, imagine you're driving and it doesn't matter if you honk at someone or not, you crash into them going 50 miles an hour in a, in a probably 15 mile an hour zone. It is your fault. So dude, how, how you get hurt? So, Luckily, like luckily, two things. One, so first let me explain the accident. He crashed into me. Uh-huh. I flew off the front of my bike and I landed on my head. Oh my God. I broke the helmet. What? Yes. And it's, you know, it was a cheap helmet, but luckily I was wearing it because if I wasn't, it wouldn't have been the helmet that was broken. It would have been my head. Right. Absolutely. And the second part of it was I, I was, I was like, 
I thought, I was like, you know, this is not good, right? I like literally flew over the handlebars, hit my head on the concrete Ooh. with, you know, with the helmet supporting. And luckily I had the helmet because that, that saved me. And I think the second part of it, to be honest, was the fact that I'm, you know, I'm big and strong. Right, right. And, you know, I used to do, uh, I used to wrestle, I used to do jujitsu and Muay Thai where my neck is like, yeah. is really strong. Wow, man. Wow. And I started thinking, I was like, man, if I, if, if I was just a normal person, if I was a girl, if I was some skinny guy that, you know, didn't have this like bulldog neck, yeah. that probably would have snapped my neck. Snapped your neck. Wow, man. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. And the and worst part it was your, yeah. it was my, <laughs> yeah. it was my fault. Wow. You know, go figure the, you know, the, the taxi, you know, he pulled over and he's like yelling at me, like, you know, why, you know, why are you driving so slow? And I'm like, why did you crash into me? You know, yeah, like, no kidding. And to make it worse, what happened is another, you know, taxi driver came up and he's like, oh, let's just move, you know, move to the side. So, you know, like my been live, which means like, oh, no problems here. And here's the other part of the Thai culture is people like to cover things up because they don't want to make things a big deal. Right. They see it being bad for the tourism market. They see it bad being for the businesses nearby. So they're just like, oh, you know, just cover it up. You know, it's fine. And honestly, things like that even happen with, you know, bigger, bigger deal accidents. How'd you, was your bike wrecked or? Uh, yeah. You know, wow. and, oh, so you know, it puts a damper on the vacation. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, and, for me, it was the worst part of it wasn't even the physical injury. Yeah. It was the fact that nobody took responsibility for it. Right. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, and nobody, you know, nobody cared. Yeah. You know, they're like, if you weren't on this island, if you, you know, it, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have happened. So remember that before you go riding out all over Thailand with your motorbike, yeah. your 125cc motorbike. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so when we do ride, we have to, you know, really ask ourselves, is this worth it or not? Yeah. We have to take the precautions while still living life and still enjoying it and, you know, realizing, hey, it, it, it's always a risk, you know, whether you, you're driving your car, your big SUV back home. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people laid out in the streets here in Chiang Mai. Um, I, in fact, uh, was involved in one motorbike accident. I was taking an Uber mm-hmm. and, uh, the Uber driver was pulling out of our neighborhood and, uh, looking around for traffic and, this motorbike was going real fast, like passing cars. And my Uber driver pulled forward just a little bit and the the bike clipped the front of the Uber car, ripped the bumper off. And then of course the two guys on the, it was a, it was a guy and a girl went, you know, spilling out into the, the pavement and they like kind of got up and they were trying to leave before the Uber driver get out of the car. But um, yeah, there was like no, like the police showed up for about 30 seconds and then left. Like no one made a big, yeah, I don't even know if that uh, Uber driver got, you know, any kind of insurance or compensation for her, for her bumper or whatever. But those guys, once they got their bike started, they just took off. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild west here. And it's nice that we have the freedom, you know, it's nice not having to obey traffic rules. Yeah. It, it is fun. It's exciting. But at the same time, we have to realize, hey, this isn't a, this isn't a movie. This is our life. And right. if we were to compare it to a movie, have you seen the beach with Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. It yes. really is. But in the mountain town, <laughs> yeah. and the part of it where I'm saying it's really like that is, you know, it is this fun new society. Everyone, you know, all of a sudden has all this freedom. It's exciting. We get to live this new crazy adventure life. Oh yeah. But the a big takeaway from that movie was when things started going bad, mm-hmm. they swept it under the rug because they're like, Listen, I don't want this to rain on my parade. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I, I just like the first part of Beach before it gets really bad. Yeah, I, <laughs> me as well. And you know, honestly, I, I wish that they would have just you know stopped the movie right there. Yeah, yeah. And but the fact is, you know what? The the point of the movie <laughs> was almost like, hey, things can seem all rosy and merry, but yeah. you know what happens when when things go wrong? And that's what I think a big part of what happened here. You know. Yeah. What happens here all the time, probably. Well, we come over here, you know, starry-eyed, looking for our dreams, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to realize that reality applies here, too. But the thing is, you know, it's a balance because I don't want anyone getting put off by it and saying, okay, well, you know, it's it's all BS. Mm. There's no dream to catch because there is. Like every day of our life, we are happy here. Yeah. And Rob was the happiest he's ever been while living here. He was, man. He left a very stressful life behind. He was a nightclub owner and bar owner for years and, um, let, you know, in and out, if any of you are business owners, you know, sometimes those businesses will do great for years and then they'll collapse, you know? So Rob was uh, at the end of the most recent, you know, nightclub collapse collapse. And instead of getting back in there, you know, he was real, he, he felt, I, he, I know this from talking to him many, many times about it. He felt that his, um, his health was at risk. Like he was so stressed out and so, I don't know, just um, just wound up mm-hmm. over all the different stresses. I mean, we think we're spinning plates over here when we're doing like 15 projects. You know, Rob was, you know, being a nightclub owner, you have so many different problems to deal with. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this. I actually had him on this podcast. I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. So if you guys want to listen to Rob's entire life story, he was really open about it and really inspiring. That's episode 137 just look for Travel Like a Boss episode 137. You can hear Rob's entire story. There you go. And I'm so happy that I had the time to sit down with him and learn about his story because if it wasn't for that, I would have just known, hey, he's this happy-go-lucky guy that yeah. is FBA. But in reality, there's so much more. Yeah, sometimes when you come from like real stressful, real hard you know, backgrounds, you can appreciate the good that you have a lot more. Yeah. And I think he really appreciated it every day. Yeah. And I, it, not only did he appreciate it, he like showed others, he pointed out to others to, for them to appreciate as well. So always remember that. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And uh, the other thing that was really, really nice is he's left behind such a big digital footprint where there are still videos of him that he recorded that hasn't even been uploaded yet. So he can still provide value yep. and still give content. Amazon Gorillas YouTube. Go yeah. check it out. And he has all these podcast interviews. Uh, he even had his own podcast that he did with Nick Neiman uh, that was sponsored by Empire Flippers um, called The Digital Journey. So he has 20 episodes there where he shared all his information on everything kind of he's, he's learned. And what was really amazing about that is when we wanted to do the tribute of, of Rob at the Nomad Summit – it was easy to find a great clip of him of him speaking, yeah. and it was amazing. So Nick Neiman, he you know he edited the video, he played it for all of us, and it was it came out amazing. And I actually want to play it for you guys right now because I I think there's so much to learn from it, and you know it's a great way to remember Rob and kind of learn from some of his lessons. What they don't know is they're inspiring me as they do this, and I'm just so excited. You know, I'm, I'm literally for I don't know for that first thirty days I met with you guys every day. Oh. I went and worked with them every day. We had this little uh, co-working space. We basically took over. We ended up watching sunset up on the top of Doisa Tep. So nice. like, it was this incredible day. 
if you're out there and you're thinking, well, I don't have enough information about that subject, how could I be that? Just get busy learning. You can stop right Right now now. and make a bold decision right now. Greatness comes from doing the small things over and over and over. Do something, get started, and then the magic will open up. I'm going to leave. I'm going to quit my job. And you will be shocked at what the universe provides you with that intention that you're actually going to do it. Be the worst at something because you're only going to get better. And by repetition, repetition, you get better and better and better. Failures that you have, you're learning so much you have no idea that will apply later on. Success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Henry David Thoreau. You know, because you're gonna fail. Like the tenacity in this thing is deal, but what you gotta learn right now is is that you're ultimately gonna win and you just keep showing up to the game, and that's that's what we're really gonna do. Don't be afraid to give up the good to go for what's great. Strive not to be a success, but to be of a value. I failed over and over and over again in my life. That is why I succeed. Michael Jordan. There are a billion people out there waiting to hear your message. Successful people do what unsuccessful people are not willing to do. There's a bunch of people yeah. out there listening right now who've got ideas. You, you've got ideas right now. I guarantee you, you're out there, you're sitting, wherever you might be listening. You've got an idea, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do it. You have the self-doubt. But that's that point. Jump off and start on that thing. Be patient with yourself. Self-growth is tender. It's holy ground. There's no greater investment. Yeah, it's beautiful how... He was always talking about inspiring things, inspiring others. There's one of the biggest takeaways I've got from Rob is that there's magic in just getting started, you know, believing in yourself and just getting started because everyone has dreams. How many people actually follow up on those and pursue it? You know, I had a, a great idea for a YouTube channel when, when I was working with Rob at the beginning and I was doing this mastermind. I made the commitment to start to do my first video three weeks in a row. I failed, you know, three weeks in a row. I just didn't do it. And then Rob told me, he's like, you know what? Start your YouTube channel by doing one video. Don't even edit it. Just throw it up there and be the worst YouTuber on YouTube for one day and you'll get better. You know, and that's what I did. In my mind, I was like, I've got to, you know, get the right shots. I've got to have the right music. I got to do the right things. And ultimately I put up one video and got started. Yeah. And getting that, that, that start is the snowball for everything. You know, if I, if I didn't get started with, you know, my terrible videos on YouTube, yeah, right. terrible. I mean, I'm looking back on them and it's not just cause they're in 360 P, yeah. you know, but the fact that I wasn't even, I didn't even know about angles or lighting or anything. Yeah. It's, you know, it would never be where they are today. And even with, I mean, literally with everything, you know, yeah. I went to the Tony Robbins Date with Destiny uh, conference and I saw how well run it was. It was yeah. amazing. The amount of staff they had, the way it, you know, was all put together. And I, and I was depressed for a second, to be honest. I thought I was going to go there. I was going to get some ideas and implement it to the Nomad Summit. Oh, right. And when I was there, I was like, I can't do this. It's, it's too much work. There's too many people. There's too much staff. It's too, it's too complicated. Like, there's no way I can pull this off. 
And then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Tony's been doing this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, after every single session, he sits down with, with his team and he, you know, says, how can we improve? How can we improve? And he didn't add all those things once at once. He added one thing at a time, one improvement at a time. And 30 years later, it's the best seminar in the world. Yeah. And I asked myself, I said, okay, if I did this for the next 30 years, if I had the 30th annual Nomad Summit, and every year we made it a little bit better, a little bit better, can we get to this point? And all of a sudden, I realized it's possible. Yeah. And it's not just with this event, but it's with our life. You know, everything we do in our life, you know, if you can't do a pull-up and it seems impossible to one day be able to do 30 pull-ups, it would be if you don't get started today. But if today you're like, you know what, maybe I can't even do one pull-up, but maybe I can do an assisted pull-up. Maybe I can put my foot on a chair and just help myself up or I can have someone help me or I can use a, a band. I can use, you know, counterweights or I can just do whatever it takes to do that one pull-up. And I do that every day or every other day and I just, just slowly work at it, you know. If it's a business, you know, I, I'm just going to get it started. I'm just going to plug it in a little bit. Every day I'm just going to write a little bit of my blog or I'm just going to create a little piece of content or I'm going to do a little bit of keyword research, a little bit of product research. And if we just don't stop, if we just continue, we'll get there one day. And I think that's kind of the, one of the biggest things that any of us who have already made it you know, or whoever who's ahead can leave behind to the next generation people starting is, you know, that inspiration to say, hey, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do it overnight, but it's possible. Yeah. Rob was um, always grateful for being here. You know, he would say, if you wake up and you're not in a bad mood, just take a look around you. I mean, I mean, right now, Johnny, we're sitting in your, your apartment. I'm looking out. And it's a beautiful, gorgeous view. You know, sunny day in Thailand every single day. It's January and it's, you know, back home in Chicago, it's, you know, below freezing and probably snowing. You know, we have a really good life here. And know? we do. And even though now we're sitting, you know, on the top floor of this really nice luxury building and there's like floor to ceiling windows and it's gorgeous. And there's a pool right be- below us. I didn't start this way. Right. You know, I started at the cheapest apartment I could find, you know. It was $150 a month, and even that was too expensive. So I asked if I could move into one of the bamboo huts that the staff lived in. I love it, man. I, man after my own heart. That, that's that's how I started, man. I I, I started that way because – all right, so Rob had this theory, thing about burn money. He said, you, you when you come to Thailand, you come to Chiang Mai, and you guys start your business, you got burn money, which means that's how much do I bring for savings that I can live off of. And then you look at your expenses. It's like, all right, this amount of money will get me along here for six months or a year, or, you know, year and a half, whatever it is. And you got to do things to increase your burn time. And either that is live cheaper, right, or start making money. You know, both of those things can work, right? So be disciplined, live cheaper, and start making money, right? And then then you start tacking on your burn time. Then you can stay here long. You start living. You can live the dream longer. You know. But it's it's not going to all happen in one fell swoop, you know. Add a week on here, a month on there, you know. Before you know it, you'll be adding years on. Yeah, I mean, this whole city is full of people who who've done it. They're not more special than you or than you or me, you know. It's just a matter of a little bit of matter of luck, but it's a matter of persistence more than anything. You know, if you if you're persistent and you don't give up and you keep going at it, eventually you'll get lucky, right? 
you're eventually your hard work's going to pay off. So I don't, I, I believe there is such a thing as luck, but luck favors those who are prepared. A hundred percent. And that doesn't mean that we should rely just on luck or just on, on, you know, grit and hard work because there's definitely things that we can do to speed up the process or make it easier. I mean, you know, somebody, if they're persistent enough on YouTube, they can eventually have an audience and have a hundred videos, but to make it a better process is, you know, after you get started, maybe start doing some research, going to some meetups, take a course, you know, read a book, you know, learn from someone who can help you take it to the next level or upgrade, you know, your, you know, your search ranking, you know, just learn, learn more just, you know, continue to learn and grow. Because I think another downside that, you know, is when people get kind of complacent and stuck, you know, um, if I was still living in the $180 a month apartment, I don't, you know, I'd be okay, but then I would feel stuck. I probably wouldn't be as happy. Right. You know? Yeah. Growth is important for sure. Yeah. For sure. But don't let that, you know, don't let that stop you from getting started. Somebody actually messaged me saying, um, you know, hey, you know, how do, how do you buy your favorite brands of, you know, stuff when you're, when you're in Thailand? Because, you know, I, I'm afraid to move out there if I don't have access to blah, blah, blah. And I like, I, I like saw the message. I'm like, you're gonna let you don't let that stop you. Like you don't let your your fucking favorite brand of deodorant or your favorite you know brand of clothes or even your favorite brand of peanut butter stop you from you know moving to a beautiful amazing place where you can surround yourself by like minded you know people who are all hustling and, and you know building businesses and doing this you know amazing stuff. See that's the thing, man. It's not it's not just the beautiful weather and and the location. It's it's really the people. You know the community here. When you're surrounded, literally everyone who's here doing on the digital nomad journey, they came here with a purpose. They came here to make something and they believed in themselves enough to, to take the action. So it's, it's a very special breed of people that make it over here. Yeah. And a hundred, a hundred percent agree. And it's meeting people in person. It makes all the difference. Yeah. I mean, nowadays there's, there's so many groups online you can join Facebook groups, Reddit groups, you know, online forums. It's different. Oh, absolutely. It's it's so different. Even within Chiang Mai, probably one of the most positive, helpful places in the world, there's literally a group called Stupid Questions Chiang Mai because people would get <laughs> just hated on so much for asking, you know, questions about like, you know, where should I live when I get here? How, how do I, I, how I, get how do, I do a visa run? <laughs> you know, and questions that people actually need to know. Yeah, these are important questions, by the way, but I guess some people got sick of hearing them again and again. It's that, but it's also, I think... When you're talking to someone online, they're not a real person yet, right? Right, yeah. And it's very easy to think you're better than them or call them an idiot or just like not be nice, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the internet's full of trolls. Yeah, it really is. And it's, yeah. a, it's a great way for people, the few unhappy people, because there aren't, you know, not everybody's happy, right? Yeah. There's there's plenty of people in Chiang Mai who hate their life because they're stuck. You know, maybe they, they have X amount of money coming in through a pension or through some job they hate. And they're like, well... The more these digital nomads come, the higher the prices are going to go because yeah, they're right. demanding, you know, higher quality services and nicer coffee shops and, you know, nicer restaurants and nicer condos. You know, fuck these guys, you know, um, let's, let's keep them out of here. Oh, and, yeah. I've heard, I've heard plenty of that. Yeah. I've heard plenty of that. And, you know, a lot of them are angry at people like me and you for spreading the word on how great Chiang Mai is. Right. You know, and the problem is if you just hang out online, you might think, you know, you might think about all the negatives. That's, you know, maybe that's all you hear, all you mm -hmm. see. 
But it's so weird because even when all that craziness was happening, you know, in person, people were actually very nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's true. Once once the anon- anonymity goes away and you see someone face to face, can be a lot nicer for sure. Yeah, and like in in person, people are super helpful and super yeah. nice. And you know what? Honestly, I mean, even for me, like if somebody asks me a question online, I'm nice enough to answer it, and I'll try to like link them to a resource or something. And I'll usually give them like two or three freebies, right? Yeah. You know. Especially if they're taking action on it. And like if someone asks me something, I give them a link to something and they actually take the time to read it and do it. And then they come back to me in a few weeks and they ask me another question. I'm happy to help. But usually by the second or third question, you know, right, like one after another, I just ignore them. I told them to Google it. But in person, I'm actually, you know, we, we take more time with them. We're like, oh, you know what? Right. Let me, let me show you. Let me, you know, come by this, you know, come by here, let me, you know, open your computer. And I think it's that human element. Absolutely. I mean, when you see someone in person, you can gauge their intention. Yeah. You can you you can see their excitement. It, it's a, it's it's a lot easier to relate to someone as a person in person. And I think it's also the fact that you know they've at least taken that first step of flying out here. Absolutely, man. You know, absolutely. Versus just thinking about it and then finding excuses not to do it. Yeah. No, you know, actually, I credit my haters as uh, some of the success on my YouTube channel. Uh, I started a vlog on YouTube about living for cheap in Chiang Mai. It's basically how to get by on $300 a month at first. I've upgraded to 450 since then. Okay. 50 Steve. That's right. And and you know the people on there were hating me for all different kinds of reasons. Some people thought I was lying. They're like, "No, you're just you're just BSing to get attention," right? Some people were mad because I was giving people a reason to get to try it out, to come here and try it out. You know, with with the mindset that what if they come here recklessly and fail? And I'm like, you know what? That's that's such a, I don't know. I just don't resonate with that mindset. Like, I don't doesn't make sense to me. Inspiring someone to come try something out and maybe they'll fail. That sounds awesome. You know, like I'd love to try something and maybe I'll fail. Guess what? You stay here in Thailand for a while trying to get your business running, and then you decide you're not going to make it work and you leave. You just had a period of your life where you spent in Thailand trying to make a business work. Like, how freaking amazing is that? Yeah. You know what's actually crazy is that was actually one of those um, kind of social justice warrior kind of hate things that, that they targeted me on. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, Johnny, you know, you're talking about, you know, you, t- you know, you're trying to convince people to start an online business and then come to Thailand. You know, how many people, you know, go home and, you know, you know, lose all their savings, have, you know, have to go back and just hate their lives after. And I was like, I don't think I've ever met any. Because what happens is either some people realize, hey, it's not for me, but I had a good time. Let <laughs> me, you know, at least I know now this isn't what I want to do. I can just happily, you know, work my corporate job and say, okay, I prefer the security and stability of a paycheck. Mm-hmm. At least, at least I got to travel for a year, yeah. you know, before I signed up for forty years of corporate life. Or people find, you know, people make that business work, you know, and that is for them. Or they come out here and they're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I don't want to do drop shipping, but then FBA is for me or right. content creation is for me right. or programming is for me or they, they find something else and then they start doing that. Mm. You know, I like, I firmly believe that like pretty much 100% of people that I've met now in the last five years, you know, who have come out here, they've been happy that they've come out. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't imagine even, even if you don't accomplish what you set to, you know, you know, come out. I mean, I can't imagine this being. You know, a negative experience. It at least opened your your eyes, broadened your horizons, and heck, you're 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 trying something. You know, I mean, you gotta keep you gotta keep trying and failing in order to succeed. 
Yeah. yeah. What's crazy? I used to get a lot of hate when I was talking about living cheap too. No kidding. So yeah. that was, oh, dude, they're all over yeah. the place. I specifically, so when I realized that was a thing, I started posting my videos on purpose in all these, like those, these, uh, Facebook groups where, where there's people like to hate on the newbies and hate on the, the cheap people. Right. And, uh, it got so, I got so many views and so much hate and then people were commenting on my videos and then people were coming to defend me and defend just, you know, or just argue with them. And then one guy actually wrote a medium blog on online about me pointing me out as a digital loser. And after that, my freaking, (laughs) my, my subscriber count started going skyrocket. You know, I hit a thousand subscribers in the first 68 days that I opened my YouTube channel because of the haters. You know, so it was like, embrace them. You know, they're, they're actually, you know, they're actually helping me out in the long run. And I just, I, I, you know, I, I let them argue and I don't delete their comments. Let them say what they're going to say. It's it's actually more of a reflection of what, what they are and who they are inside than it is of me. I love that about you, man. Like, and I respect that so much, you know, and I wish that I had that mentality, Mm. you know, when I got started, but I took everything personally. It's you know? not hard not to. Yeah. And it, it it wasn't until like pretty recently, you know, I think it was, you know, in the last year or so that I was, you know, I developed more of that mentality. I'm like, you know what? Let me actually, to be honest, at first I would do it from kind of a anger point of view. I'm like, okay, well, if, they, if they're going to talk, you know, trash about me or um, hate on me, I'm going to use that against them and... You know, it's going to drive up my my subscriber count. I'm going to make end up making more money from it. So that's my revenge, and it worked, right? Yep. But then uh, at date with destiny, I realized I was like, you know what? That's not good either, right? Like, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to do it from like a anger point of view. So now I just kind of understand them, you know. Mm-hmm. I show them some love, and I'm like, you know what? They're not, you know, let me. Not that I'm going to let them control my life or change what I do, but what I started realizing I was like, you know what? There's always going to be a couple people who hate the message you know hate the the delivery person or yep. hate me for whatever reason and i could be most most of the time like i guarantee they don't really really know me if they really knew me they wouldn't you know have those same issues right oh yeah and there's something happening in their life where they're not happy they're insecure they feel insignificant or know, maybe they've been burned before or they've been yeah burned before and that's causing it and now you know i realize the best thing i can do is you know, support the people who want and and can benefit from it, because yeah. that really is the silent majority. It's That's literally, right. yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, if you yeah. think think back to who, why you you have your content out there to begin with. Yeah. Think about the people you're helping. You know, if you let the haters win, then it's not just you that suffers. It's it's everyone that could benefit from you. Yeah. You know, I mean, out of the you know tens of thousands of people who listen to this podcast every month, you know, I'm sure 99 percent of you. You know, or like, you know, thanks for keep putting this on. Yeah. And then there's like, but you know, most of you guys aren't commenting, you know, you should <laughs> let me know that you're there, you know, or leave, you know, leave a review. Let me know, you know, that you guys like the show and you guys enjoy it. But it's that one anonymous person out of the 40,000 mm-hmm. that is so angry that they take the time to leave messages and comments and hate and say like, Oh, fuck this guy. He's a piece of shit. You know, 10 years ago, you know, he was involved in this pickup thing and he was like this douchebag. He used to have a mohawk and he used to like, you know, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm embarrassed about it. (laughs) You know, I don't want to go through that again, but I've also learned so much from it 
that it makes me a better person today. You know, you know, you know what yeah. hater comment got to me the most out of all the hater comments I got. One guy gets on my, and I even hate to mention it cause maybe he's listening, but, uh, one guy gets on there and comments cause he, he thought I was a cheap bastard for not tipping the guy who brought me my laundry at home. Cause there's a service called wash drop where people pick up, you know, they'll pick up your laundry at home. They wash it and they bring it back to you. Right. And, uh, I was, I was, uh, you know, videoing myself doing that on the channel. And, uh, what he didn't realize is that it was actually, I didn't, to get the footage for it, I just picked up my roommate's laundry. You know what I mean? And I actually did tip the, my, my, my laundry guy when he comes in, you know, and actually tipping cultures here is different here anyway, but it, it doesn't matter. But for some reason it got under my skin. I think it's because I come from a service industry background, grew up working in my grandfather's restaurant, saw the waitresses struggle and eventually owned my own bar and restaurant. And was, uh, you know, so I was always, and in Chicago, man, I tip so well. Like, you know, I always put good gratuity out there. Um, uh, in Chiang Mai, it's totally different. You know, it's, the tipping culture is just different, you know, and I'm not going to be tipping 20%, you know, on, on, uh, you know, on a street food or something like that. Right. But for some reason it got under my skin and I found myself writing this long thing explaining like how he didn't understand because, you know, you, you weren't there. We, we actually set this up and, you know, I'm trying to make it lighthearted, but I realized how much I let him know that it got to my, you know, got under my skin. I'll tell you what, that guy became like a recurrent troll that was just yeah. always there because I fed him. You see what I mean? If you give them love, you know, then <laughs> maybe they'll change or go away. But like if you if you start fighting with them, then you, you get dragged down in that. Yeah, definitely. And it's not good for anyone, you know. Um, yeah, so what I've learned from it, if you guys are going through the same thing, is one is the best thing to do is ignore it. The second best thing to do is to respond from a loving place, you know. And either way, you know, just it's one of those things where like – if you if you're a good person, you're doing good things. Who cares what those those people think? You know, like the focus on the majority. I mean, it'd be really tempting. Like there was you know 400 people in the Nomad Summit this year, and probably 399 of them, at least according to the surveys, were like extremely happy they came. They're like, yeah, you know, like thanks so much. Your podcast, you know, inspired me. The summit, I've learned so much. I met so many amazing people. The talks were amazing. You're you know like it, my life's changed. And it'd be easy, for, you know, to ignore those 399 positive comments for the one person that was like, oh, the food sucked or I didn't like this. Even though the food is amazing, by the way. Right. But, oh, it was great, yeah. man. Oh, the service is amazing, too. Yeah. That hotel does it right, man. But, like, you know, it'd be easy to focus on that one kind of negative comment. But instead, I'm like, you know what? Let me focus on the happy people, right? There you go. Yeah. And I, then, you know, I also ask them, like, how can I, how can I, like – come from more of a loving place even, you know, because I'm sure there's some people who, there's a lot of people who didn't come to the summit for their reasons, right? Some people, you know, were too cheap to go. Um, and, you know, and I'm like, instead of being angry at them, I could be like, okay, how can I, how can I market to them better and mm-hmm. let them know what the value is for them coming? Right. Because it's annoying that some people, you know, complain about the price, even though the people that come are like, it was amazing value. I would have happily paid two or three times more for it. Uh, and then, you know, there's some people that are like, oh, you know, fuck this Johnny guy. I don't, you know, I don't like his personality or I hate drop shipping or whatever. What I could do is I can be like, you know what? It's this funny how people, not about me. It's funny how people can decide that without even knowing you. you yeah. Know? They're like, well, I read online that he was, right. you know, he said this to this one person once, which is completely untrue. Right. But they don't know that because they just take the other, you know, some anonymous whiny person's like, you know, point of view. Or they just hear one side of it, right? Yeah. But instead, you know, I'm like, okay, well, it's a disservice to them of not going to the summit 
because of this one thing, you know, like, what can I do to, I'm not gonna, you know, what can I do to get them to come so they can learn, you know, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can make this summit less about me and really highlight, you know, the seven other speakers mm, or the, right. you know, the other people that they would get so much, you know, benefit from or, or the 400 other attendees that they yeah. would come from. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, even if someone didn't like me, you know, for whatever reason, you, like there's 399 other people there to meet. Oh, it's incredible. Like I said, it's, it's like you can meet so many people doing so many different things, inspiring people. Just, uh, it's just fascinating. Uh, I always come away with so many good contacts and, you know, the, the thing that's awesome is there's a lot of people here in town now for a little bit longer, right? They're, they're coming to Chiang Mai, but they're going to stay a little bit, you know, instead of flying in and out. And they're all eager to get involved in the meetups. So we've got the Nomad uh, Coffee Club on Fridays. And, you know, there's a few other meetups in town that, you know, I love being able to direct people to where they can get value from, you know, because I think that the more people contribute, the more value we get out of it and the more this community grows. Yeah. And I think in the long in the long run, I would love to see this community grow to give value to even, you know, at an even higher level, you know, to the experts, the you know, the guys that the guys that sit here and work alone, you know, and don't don't go out and net. the guys there there are there's a certain population here that are successful and doing awesome in the in the online in the in their digital entrepreneurship, right? And they don't go to the Nomad Summit because they're like, well, what am I going to learn? I'm not going to learn anything from these guys. I don't care about networking, but they're missing so much that. I don't know. I, I would love to crack the code and show them the value. I already have some ideas for that. So, so part of the feedback that you know we got from the the 2018 Nomad Summit is that now it's grown so big that even though there are really successful people in the audience, it's hard for them to connect with each other because mm -hmm. there's just right. so many people. So next year we're actually really going to start segmenting people. Do we're going to do pre-summit uh, meetup events? Where we're actually gonna just put people into the right categories, make sure they meet each other. We can do things like speed networking. We're do, oh, that's great! Like a lot of yeah, we can do all these lot of things. You know, we're even gonna like sit people together during lunch. You know that we know in the same type of business. So all the FBA people on you know in one table, all the dropshippers on one table, all the content creators on one table. And there's so many things that we're gonna do to make next year even better. That's great, man. And that's a brilliant idea. It really is just all about connecting people, and you know, and having the conference be about the attendees mm -hmm. so i hope you guys can make it it's going to be january 19th i believe you already have a date yeah yeah <laughs> 2019 <laughs> and you know the only reason honestly why i even thought this this far ahead i didn't want to do it is there's so many people who are like you know they're like johnny i want to come next year. i want to make sure that you know either i couldn't make it this year or i want to make it a goal to be able to be out here by next year. Yeah. So that's the only reason why we even set it up. Um, go to nomadsummit.com. You can get the info there for the email list. Wow. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. So, man, glad you came on. Glad to hear your whole story. Yeah, I'm glad I, to be I here. I learned a you, lot. You haven't even heard the whole story yet. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Uh, you can look up my YouTube channel, Thrifty Steve. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Thrifty Steve. That's That's pretty much it. Yeah. So I actually always wondered why why your name was Thrifty Steve and now I know. Yeah, it's uh it's it you know who gave me that name? Who? Rob Fortney. Rob, really? Wow. We were sitting at a table brainstorming ideas because I had this idea for showing my expenses. Mm -hmm. What I do is I keep track of all my expenses and put them on a Google spreadsheets document. Anyone can access it and like critique or see what I spend and 
get some ideas for themselves on how they can live thrifty. And uh, Rob was like, oh, it's great. You can do a YouTube channel about that. We'll call you Thrifty Steve. And I was like, wow. I laughed and then I thought about it and I ended up choosing it. So that's cool. Thanks, I Rob. I like it. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> so check out Thrifty Steve on YouTube. And if you haven't yet, please take a listen to episode 137 of Travel Like a Boss to hear the whole story of Rob Fortney because he was such an inspiration. He's left behind so much value. And he's the reason why uh, we're sitting here today. You know, and Steve's sitting here today across from me. That's right. All right, guys. Love you. And thanks for spreading the word. Thanks for leaving reviews and telling your friends about this podcast and sharing it everywhere to get it to more people, to help inspire more people to change their lives, to make the move, regardless if it's Chiang Mai or somewhere else in the world. But make it happen. Make that move. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.